We're starting a brand new series today called Rediscovering the Lost Art of Friendship. And I just want to say as we get started that for some of you, I think this could be probably one of the most important series that we've done all year. I think this is very important because if we get our friends right, the right friends set us up for success in every area of our life that matters. How many of you know that's true? Friendships are important, right? Now, the flip side is also true. If we get our friendships wrong, that can lead us to more pain in life, more struggle, more, more uh, trials than you could ever imagine. In fact, a key thought, if you're taking notes, you may want to write this down because you're going to hear this over and over over these next couple of weeks. Write this down. You show me your friends, and I'll show you your future. You show me your friends, I'll show you your future. You show me the people that you spend the most time with, I'll show you the trajectory of your life. In fact, Solomon, the wisest guy who ever lived, uh, said the same thing in a different way. In Proverbs chapter 13, verse 20, this is one of the wisest men that ever lived. He said this, walk with the wise and become what? Walk with the wise and become wise. But then he says, on the other side, a companion of fool, what? Suffers harm. In other words, if you hang out with people that are better than you, smarter than you, have better marriages than you are, are better with money than you are, are better leaders than you are, you're going to become like them and find yourself starting to rise to their level. All right? But if you're hanging out with a bunch of party things, you know, those kind of people that are always getting in trouble, they're going to bring you down to where they are. You show me your friends, and I promise you I can show you your future. In fact, as I think through my life, I think through some of the people that I've hung out with over the years, especially since I've become a believer, and they have been a direct result of my life becoming better. I think back to the early days of my life when I first became a Christian, and I started playing in a Christian rock band, and one of the guys in the band was a guy named Keith. And Keith was always speaking encouragement into my life. He was always, he was always challenging me to go a little bit deeper to worship God a little bit harder, to love God a little bit more. He taught me about the importance of the local church and that the local church was the hope of the world. He encouraged me. He says, man, be in church every time the doors are open. He says, you want to change your life. You want to be what God has created you to be. God's placed these gifts inside of you. And he just kept on encouraging me. I think when we first started Coast, and I think of Jeff and Pam McKinney and the encouragement they were, in that, in that situation, and having friends around me who loved God, and they, they, they loved missions, and they loved making a difference in the world, and all of that stuff encouraged me and helped build me up. Your friends are important. The people that you hang out with are important. When I think back on my younger days, man, when I wasn't doing the right things, I can tell you I almost never got into trouble by myself. Who knows what I'm talking about? <laughs> Right? There was always people around me. You show me your friends, and I'll show you your future. Now, here's what I want to do to kind of just lay a foundation for the next couple of weeks. I want you to take a second. Grab your message notes out. Just grab them right now. Hold them up so that I can see them. I want to make sure you got them. <coughs> I'm going to ask you to do something for me, even if you're not taking notes throughout the whole message. And, and if you're not, why aren't you? All right, then anyway, uh, if you'll take those message notes, and I want you to do a, a situation for me. I want you to make a list of your closest friends. Don't stop to think about it. Just write down the names of your closest friends. Don't write your spouse, all right? I'm not talking about your family. I'm not talking about your dog or your imaginary friend, all right? 
just the people that you are the closest to. Uh, the people that, 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 I'm talking about people that you could call at two in the morning and say, hey, I'm going through something. I'm talking about people who know you and you know them. Write down the names of those kind of people, your closest friends. And as you're doing it, as you're writing it down, I want to tell you something that sociologists and leadership experts have been saying for years and years and years. And, and here it is. Are, are you ready? You are the average of your five closest friends. You are the average of your five closest friends. Those people, if you look at the list of people that you wrote down, chances are you're somewhere in the middle. And there may be some of them that make more money than you, and, and there may be somebody that makes a little bit less money than you, and you're probably somewhere in the middle with each of those, right? If you're a partier, if you got wasted last night, there's a good chance that three or four of the people on your list got wasted last night too. If you're pursuing God with all of your heart, if you're passionate about being who God has called you to be, if you're excited about the things of God, chances are there's three or four people on that list that are also excited about pursuing God and going after God, and and they're doing it too. You will be the average of your five closest friends because, like it or not, mom was right. It matters who you run with. It matters who you hang out with. Birds of a feather... They do. It's just true. That's just the way it happens. Come on, somebody. You show me your friends and I'll show you your... It's where you're headed. All right? So if you take a look at your list of names, you're probably looking at that list of names and you're asking yourself this question. Am I hanging out with the right people? Right? Think about the different areas of your life. Do you want to have a good marriage? Are you hanging out with people who have a good marriage? Do you want to be stronger financially? Are you hanging out with people who understand money and how to use it and how to be wise with money? Do you want to be stronger spiritually? Are you hanging around with people who are pursuing God and, and, and love God and they, they, they want to know Him with all of their heart? That's going to help you grow spiritually. Are you trying to get in shape? Uh, you know, are you hanging out with people who eat Twinkies for a hobby, right? That's, that's going to mess you up. So who are you hanging around with? You are the average. And you show me your friends. I'll show you your future. You're the average of your five closest friends. So as you listen to what I'm talking about this morning, I want you to listen in light of the people that you hang around with. All right? Everybody with me? All right. Now, before we go any further, I want to take a second and I want to define friendship. And I'm going to use a verse uh, that, that Mark stole from me earlier in his little portion. I'm going to read it from a different verse, a different version. Uh, Proverbs 17, 17. Yeah. <laughs> Proverbs 17, 17 in the, the, the FBV version. It says, A friend is someone you may or may not know well who accepts your friend request on Facebook. They're a person who is born to like and comment on your post so that you feel good about yourself. That's the FBV. That's the Facebook version of the Bible. Now, if you're new to Coast or you're new to Christianity, let me just assure you, there is no such real thing as the FBV version. But, you know, a lot of people feel that way. And you've got to admit that social media has had a huge impact on friendships. Would you say that that's true? Let me show you what Proverbs 17, 17 actually says. It says, a friend does what? Loves how often? all times. A friend loves at all times. And what is a brother born for? 
time of adversity. Think about it this way. Wouldn't it be amazing if you had a handful of maybe five, six, seven friends who loved you all the time, not just for a short season, but for decades. People who you know them and they know you and you know their spouses and you know their kids. You're investing in their children and and there's this cross-pollinization spiritually where you're learning from each other and growing together and you're working to kind of help make each other better. You know, when they love you enough to tell you the truth, when you're doing something stupid, you know, when you're there to celebrate with them when they're celebrating and you're there to cry with them when they're going through a tough time. What if you had a community of people that stayed with you for decades? A friend loves at all times. Now, the problem is, according to sociological studies, is that very few of us have friends like that anymore. In fact, according to the American Sociological Review, the average American has two close friends. And chances are that many of you, maybe even in the majority of you, when I asked you to name your closest friends, you wrote down two names, which uh, may not seem that alarming until you stop to think about the fact that just two and a half decades ago, 25 years ago, they did the same survey and the average person had six friends. Now, just 25 short years later, the average person only has two friends. It dropped by two-thirds down to two friends. And nobody seems to notice and nobody seems to even really care. What's even scarier is that 25% of the people who were surveyed, that's one out of every four, 25% of the people that were surveyed say, I don't have a significant friend in my life. I don't have anybody that is a close and trusted friend. And something is definitely wrong. Something is seriously wrong, right? We've got a problem here. So why do you think this is happening? Why do you think friendships are declining? Well, I'm going to give you three reasons. I'm sure there's a lot more, and these aren't in any particular order. But the first one is this, because of increased work hours. Increased work hours. We live in a time where people are just working all the time, and they're not spending Uh, as much time building friendships as they'd like to. They're not even spending as much time with their families as they would like to. They're going a 1,000 miles an hour. A lot of young people that I talk to are working two and three jobs just to make ends meet, and they're going a 1,000 miles an hour all the time. And because of that, they don't have time to really build those friendships, and they're missing out on it. And all of a sudden, they find themselves living in a deficit. Man, I'd love to spend some time developing friendships, but I'm just too busy. The second result, rising divorce rates. Studies show that divorces are extremely hard on families, right? And, 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 and on friendships, friendships as well. Uh, you know, I mean, it comes down to you get this amount of money and you get this amount of money and you have the kids during this time and you have the kids during that time. You take this friend and I'll take this friend because friends take sides, and friendships break down. Third reason is the explosion of social media. Now, before we go into this, I just want to say I'm not against social media. Uh, I think there's a lot of great use for social media. Uh, But no matter what you think about social media, you have to acknowledge that social media is redefining the way we look at friendship. For example, I can guarantee you that years ago, none of you would have ever thought of picking up the phone and calling somebody and telling them what you're having for breakfast, right? 
But now you do this all the time. You see on Facebook, I'm having oatmeal for breakfast. And then there's a picture of said oatmeal right there, you know, for you to see to confirm. Look, here it is, right? This is what I'm doing. And so what experts are saying is happening is that, listen to this, we are less concerned with face-to-face intimate relationships and we are more obsessed with what our online image expresses about who we are. I want to say that again because I really want you to get this. Experts say that they are, we are less concerned with face-to-face intimate relationships or friendships, those real relationships, and we are more obsessed about our, what our online persona says about who we are. We put down all of our thoughts and our feelings and our status. We write a note to let people know how we're feeling. We ask them to pray for us. We take a picture of ourselves. If we don't like the picture, we take a picture from another angle. And then we put it through filters and we put a frame around it and and we carefully craft the perfect statement. And then we post it on Facebook and we start waiting for people to reply. And we wait about five minutes and we go, wow, seven likes in five minutes. And we feel good about that. We actually feel like we are really connecting with people. And guys, again, there's nothing wrong with social media, but it needs to be a, 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 a supplement to real relationships and not a replacement for real relationships. And so often people are allowing that to take place of the real friend-to-friend relationship, face-to-face relationships that they need in their life. And they may have lots of followers on Twitter or Instagram. They may have, you know, more friends than ever on Snapchat or Facebook, you know, and, and they're feeling at the same time increasingly more and more lonely. I've had people literally tell me, man, I've got, I've got 800 friends on Facebook and I feel so alone. I don't feel like there's anybody I could call. I don't feel like there's anybody I could talk to right? Again, don't get me wrong. I'm not knocking Facebook or, or any of the social media. If you know me, you know I use those things, but I use them. I, I keep up with friends and that sort of thing, but I don't use them to replace. I use them as a supplement, not as a replacement for real friendships. So what I want to do this morning is to kind of take this into a way of saying, how do we do this? How do we find our algorithm for real friendship? All right? I, I want to talk about the lost art of friendship. But before I do that, let me just tell you where I'm going with this next week. Next week, I'm going to be sharing a message called One Friend Away, because I believe that all of us are probably just one friend away from seeing something happen in our lives that could change our destiny. In fact, if you just listed two or four friends when I asked you to list your friendships, I want you to know that God has more for you than that. And when you have the right kind of friends, that will help lead you towards the destiny that God has for your life. And you'll do the same thing for them. And and I'm going to show you next week three types of friends that everybody needs in their life. And I believe God's going to do some deep work in our hearts. So I want to encourage you, do not miss next Sunday. Just elbow the person next to you and say, don't miss next Sunday. Don't miss next Sunday. All right, I just want to take a minute, and I want to talk about the lost art of friendship. And honestly, there's probably 10 or 12 things that I could probably say about this. And uh, if I did, we'd be here to 5 o'clock. Everybody all right, good with that? No, no, no. <laughs> yeah. You and me, bro. Yeah. Well, just, it's just two of us, so I'll probably just do two. But let me just tell you, these two 
really, if you'll implement these two things I'm about to say to you, it'll make a huge, huge difference in your life. All right? It'll help you build great friendships. Here's the first thing that we need to do, and I want to beg you with all of my heart to do this, and that is, number one, learn to be present. Just be present. In fact, I want you to say something with me. I want you to repeat this after me. I will develop my friendships. <laughs> That's terrible. That's right. <laughs> you just had to have heard it from my point of view. All right. I will develop my friendships. Face to face. And not just thumb to thumbs. Right? You know what I'm talking about? Or, or forefinger to forefinger if you're a one, uh, you know, finger uh, texture, right? Face to face and not thumb to thumb. Why? Because presence matters. I mean, think about this. When Jesus called his disciples, he didn't say, hey, here's a book, go study it. No, what did he do? He said, come and follow me. In other words, he said, let's hang out together. Let's do life together. Let's build real friendships by investing time in each other. The, the best way that I can impart my Father's love to you is by spending time with you. It's by hanging out with you and you being with me. Let's be present with each other. All right? And, and by the way, according to research, that's what children are actually wanting from their parents. In fact, I, I thought this was amazing. Studies show that children are increasingly dissatisfied with their parents' obsession with technology and not the other way around. Because children are wanting their parents' attention. And sometimes they want it, but they can't get it because, you know, mom's on Pinterest trying to look for the the recipe that's going to change the world, right? And it's like, mom, 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 mommy, mom, 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 right? Or dad, dad, hey, dad, dad. It's like, hang on a second. There's a cat video that I've just got to watch. And as soon as I get through this cat video, we're going to be okay. And see, children start getting upset. Because they can't get their parents' attention. How many times have you gone to a restaurant and seen a whole table of people with their phones out? They're not even talking to each other. Vicky and I were in a restaurant the other night. I saw it across the room. There was a whole family, mom, dad, about three kids. Every single one of them, even the really little kid, had a cell phone. They were all doing this. And I watched, just from time to time, I glance over at that table. They were all just like this. I mean, they were paying great money to be in a nice restaurant, and they're just doing this. We're missing out. We're missing out on those sort of things. I mean, you know, I, I, I see this sort of stuff all the time. Matter of fact, let me show you a meme that I found really funny. I'm going to put that up. I'm having people over to stare at their phones later if you want to come by. <laughs> It's like, you know, really? Be present. Be there, right? Be in the moment. The writer of the book of Hebrews said something that has been true throughout all of history, but it seems so prophetic in this moment that we're living in right now. In Hebrews 10, 24 through 25, he says, Let us think of ways to motivate one another to, to acts of love and good work. I mean, what's that? what a great idea. What a great thing to do. When was the last time that you looked at some of your closest friends and say, let's do something significant in this world? Man, let's, let's, let's go out and, and change the world in the name of Jesus. How can we get the love of God to the people who are around us? 
And you spur each other on to acts of love and good works. And then it says, and let us not neglect our meeting together. All right? Now, that word meeting there is a Greek word that is actually only used twice in the Bible. And it means this, to meet together for a spiritual purpose. All right? Let us not neglect meeting together for a spiritual purpose, as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. There is power in presence. There is power in physical presence. I'll never forget years ago when I first got involved in ministry, I was a youth pastor, and I loved working with teens. And, and I remember I was new being on the, 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 the staff at this church, and I got a call that one of our teenagers, their father had passed away. Well, they'd said at that point I didn't know it. They said that he had been involved in a terrible accident. And so uh, I was the only one at the church at that moment, and I got in my car. I drove straight to the hospital I was the first one on the scene from our entire pastoral staff. And I walked into the room, and they told me that, that, that he had passed away. And I didn't, I didn't know what to say. I didn't have the skill set to just come in there and say the right things and all that, because I thought that's what you were supposed to do. You know what I did? I just cried with him. I just held him in my arms and cried with him. And, and at some point, I, I said probably muddled my way through the, one of the most awkward prayers that you could ever imagine. And I remember driving home and thinking, oh, man, I, I blew it. I could have done that so much better. I could, have, I, I could have really made a difference. But you know what? Later on, every single different member of that family came up to me and said how much I ministered to them. I didn't say anything. I didn't say anything. But in their minds, my presence there said everything. Everything. There's something about being present that is so tremendously powerful. I mean, I can remember times in my life where my friends made so much difference in my life. And it wasn't necessarily the the, the people who sent a nice card to me or called me on the phone. They were people who just came and hung out. They were people that just loved me through the moment. And that makes a huge difference. The Bible says where two or three are gathered together in Jesus' name, that there he is, right in the midst. There's something powerful about being there, just hanging out, loving somebody. They're just letting them know, I'm here for you. I love you. I want to be a part of your life, and I want to hang out with you, right? And be present. And when I say present, I don't mean just physically present. I mean be emotionally present. I heard this week about a group of guys who get together each week for lunch and they hang out. And the first thing that they do uh, when they get there is they grab their phone grab my phone. They grab their phone and they take it and they turn it off and they put it in the middle of the table. They take it, they turn it off, and they put it in the middle of the table. And you know what that does? It says that for the next half hour or hour or so, you guys are my priority. It's not my phone. It's not the outside world. It's the people I'm with. And, 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 you know, I just, I just I think about that sometimes. I wonder how different our families would be, our friendships would be, and, and even you might be if you would take time to just say, hey, you know what? My friends are my priorities. I, I was watching a TED Talk with Simon Sinek. Any of you guys familiar with him? 
If not, you should be. He's, he's fabulous. And in his TED Talk, he was talking about this idea. And he was talking about just subconsciously what happens, even having your phone with you. Like if I'm sitting and I'm talking to somebody, if I'm talking to Jeff, and I have my phone in my hand, there is an, uh, uh, an unconscious thought that comes out that says, he's very distracted. Right? See, I would say, after listening to Simon Sinek, don't even pull your phone out and set it in the table. Turn it off, leave it in your pocket, keep it out of sight. Get rid of your phone. Don't, don't, don't have it there for that moment. You know? Because a lot of times what people will do is they'll have their phone and they'll say, you know, they'll say I'm, it'll start ringing and they'll say, I'm not going to get it, I'm just looking to see who it is. But what have you done? You've let the people already know that they are not your priority. Try to find people. Be present in the moment. Be there in that moment. Uh, the Bible says, let's not give up that, the power and the habit of meeting together. So the first thing that I would encourage you to do so that you can build great friendships is be present. Everybody say be present. Here's the second one. If you're taking notes, write this down. The second one is get open. Open up. Be transparent. In fact, Vicki and I were talking about this the other night. Do you know what one of the fastest growing phobias in the world is right now? Anybody want to guess? Absolutely. Right on. Talking on your phone. And some of you are laughing, right? Uh, but it's a real thing. You know, what happens for most people is the phone rings, and what do you do? You let it go to voicemail. Right. And then what do you do? You text a response back. Why? Why do we do this? All right. Well, we do this, and the reason that we're afraid of talking on the phone is that you can't control the direction of the conversation on the phone. When somebody texts you, you can look, about, look at it, you can type it out, think about it, correct it if you need to, you can craft the perfect statement, you can do all of that, and you are in control. On the phone, you're not in control, right? Because you don't know where the conversation is going to go. People can control the conversation in a text or in an email. You, you can be con in control on your Facebook page. See, people are afraid of having real face-to-face, people-to-people relationships. They don't know how to be open. They don't know how to be transparent. There's a powerful verse in the book of James that is very appropriate for what we're talking about here. If, in James 5.16, it says this, Confess your sins to who? I, sometimes I'll share this verse with people and I'll say, confess your sins to each other. And people go, whoa, 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 whoa. Doesn't that verse say confess your sins to God? No, that's another verse. There's a verse that says, confess your sins to God and he's faithful and just to forgive you of all your sins and cleanse you of all unrighteousness. So you confess your sins to God and, and he starts working to make that relationship right. But then he says, you confess your sins to each other and pray for each other. Your Facebook people. Some, some of you will get that later, right? Pray for each other so that you may be what? Healed. That there's healing that comes in those relationships, right? How different would your life be spiritually if you had Christian friends that, that you could call and just say, hey, could you pray for me? I'm really struggling with anger right now. 
I don't know what's going on, but there's just something inside of me, and I'm just, I'm frustrated, I'm angry, and I know it's not right, and I don't want to feel this way, but I do, and I need somebody to talk about it with. You know? I need somebody. I'm dealing with a situation in my life, and I just need somebody that I can get some godly advice from, somebody that can encourage me and pray for me. Think of how different your life would be. I want you to write this down because it's so important. We impress people with our strengths, but we connect with people through our weaknesses. Now, this is so good. I'm going to say it again because I really want you to hold on to this. We impress people with our strengths, but we connect with people through our weaknesses. Through our weaknesses. It's when we're transparent. It's when we're vulnerable. It's when we drop the online persona and say, hey, this is what I'm going through in my life. This is what's going on in my marriage. Here's the temptation that I'm struggling with right now. And all of a sudden, you find a a connection point in that transparency, in that moment of honesty, in that moment of sheer humanity and just being real and saying, this is my life. This is what's going on. And you talk to somebody about it. I, I heard a story that I thought was so powerful a pastor friend of mine told the story about something that happened to him. He was traveling, and he was in an airport, and he was waiting on a collect, connecting flight, and he decided to go to the, the restroom. And he went into the stall, and he sat down. And as he sat down, he noticed there on the floor beside the stall was a Playboy magazine. And he said, I would love to tell you that, that you know, my first thought was, you know, why would anybody leave something so vile here? Or why would... He says, he says, but that wasn't what happened. He said, all of a sudden there was this like schoolboy fascination. I wonder what's in there. And then he said he came to his senses and he just, you know, said, run, Forrest, run. And he just kind of got out of that situation. Well, on Sunday, he was talking in a message uh, about temptation and he shared that story uh, with people. Well, later that night at one of the church's small groups, the people in the group were talking about his message and about temptation. And they were talking about what he shared. And one of the guys, a young college student, said, well, you know, if, if pastor can be so honest and so transparent about what he's going through, then I think I need to share with the group that I've been struggling with pornography. And it's a problem in my life, and I've never told anybody, but it's a battle. Well, in that same group, was a young lady who was there for the very first time. She'd never been at the small group before. And she was a brand new Christian. And she thought, as soon as he said that, she thought, oh no, they are going to eat him alive because that's what Christians do. But they didn't. They embraced him and they encouraged him and they, they, they loved on him and they, they showed compassion. And she was so moved because she had a three-year-old daughter and she was paying the bills by being a stripper. And she hated it. She hated it. She was trying to figure out how she was going to get out. And so she told him, hey, look, I'm a, I'm a new Christian, and I know this is wrong, and I wish I didn't have to do it, but I can't pay my bills. Well, guess what happened? The people in the small group said to this girl, first time in the group, first time she was there, one of the guys says, well, if you'll quit your job, I'll help you pay your bills until you get on your feet. And someone else said, I'll do the same thing. And the whole group got excited and said, we'll help pay your bills so you can get another job. The very next day, she walked in. She quit her job. And two days later, she got a brand new job. And you know what that girl does now? She helps other people get out of that industry and turn their lives around. 
all because some people were real and open and honest and in a face-to-face moment, a face-to-face moment of transparency, they showed compassion. People connect through their weaknesses. Guys, this friendship stuff is so important. You show me your friends, and I'll show you your future. If you don't have a lot of friends, your future is not what God wants it to be because you weren't created to go through life independently on your own. You were, connected to, you were created to connect to God and to connect with people around you because you are com- incomplete without his body, the church. Some people will say, well, it's just me and Jesus. Well, if you are a part of Jesus, Jesus is the head and the church is the body. You can't take the head without the body. You need people around you. And the good news is is that no matter where you are, God can bring the right people into your life. But it doesn't happen by accident. It's going to happen on purpose if you open up to what God wants to do in your life. Would you bow your heads with me? Father, I just thank you for friendships. And I thank you that it's so important that we have the right friendships in our life. As right now, while every head is bowed, every eye is closed, nobody's looking around, you have complete independence. Nobody's going to know how you answer what I'm about to ask you. But if you're here and you would say, Robert, this is me. I need some friends in my life. I've been struggling and I need some real solid friendships. Would you pray for me? Could I just see your hand? Put your hands down. Yeah, thank you. Can I just tell you, you you have no idea how many people just raised their hands. That tells me we got a lot of work to do. I want to pray for you. God, thank you for every person that raised their hands. Lord, I pray that starting today, you would help them to be present in the relationships that they have, to be open and transparent and real. Father, I pray that you would place just the right people in their life. Father, there's people in this room right now that are hurting. There's people right now that are struggling. There's people right now who say, I really wish I could talk with somebody about what's going on in my life, and I just don't know how. Father, I pray that you would help them. She would encourage them. She would speak into their life. Maybe open up the way for them to become a part of a small group. Maybe help them to step out of their comfort zone and say hello to somebody and meet somebody new. Lord, I just pray that you would really speak to them during this time. You need to know the Bible talks about being a friend of God. God wants to be our friend. We have a friend in God. And I think that's such an important thought. That's such an important thing, having this friend in him. And maybe you're here today, and if I were to ask you about your friendship with God, you would say, oh, well, you know, we, we know about each other. <laughs> I know a little bit about him. I don't know what he knows about me, but, you know, I, I, I know a little bit about him, but I don't have a real friendship. Today's the day to step across that line. Today's the day to say yes to him. I want to have a friendship with you. I want to have a relationship with you. If you've never done that, today's your day to step across and let God speak to your heart. 
If you're here and you would say, Robert, would you pray for me? I need to do that today. I need to have a relationship with him. Would you pray for me? Could I just see your hand? I want to pray for you right now. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I want to lead you in a prayer right now. And you don't have to pray it out loud. You can just pray it in your heart. God will hear you. But just share this. Say, dear Jesus, thank you for loving me. Thank you for wanting to be my friend. I ask you to come live in my heart. Forgive me of my sins. Forgive me of things that I've done that's put walls between us. I want to be a friend with you. I want to have a relationship with you. I want to know you and be known by you. God, I pray that you would help me. And as much as I know how, I'm going to do everything inside of me to follow you. In Jesus' name, amen. Everybody look up at me. If you just prayed that prayer with me and you meant it, would you do me a favor? Would you just take one of the blue cards and just write on there, hey, Robert, I prayed that prayer with you and just give me your name and all of that. And also, if you'll go to the welcome station, they've got a little booklet that we'd love to put in your hands. It's called, Now What?, These are just kind of some next step things that you can do towards really beginning that relationship with him. It's a free gift, and we'd love to put that in your hands today. That was good right there, guys. That's awesome, man. Awesome. Yeah. Well, a couple of things really quick before we go, just a couple of quick things that I want to do. One is um, somebody wrote me this week and and passed on a a Franklin Graham thing that said... uh, He was asking people to pray for our president today. And I just want to say, no matter what your politics are, whether you are pro our president or against our president or however you feel on that, I can just tell you that since I've become, became a Christian uh, almost, almost 40 years, not quite 40 years ago, but since I've become a Christian, I've prayed for every president that's been in office, whether I agreed with them or disagreed with them. And I just think that's probably a a great thing to do. And so they were encouraging churches to do that. But can we go a step farther and pray, not just for him, but for, you know, the Senate, the Congress, and and all of our leaders? Can we just do that? Would you just bow with me for just a second? Father, we just want to lift up our president to you. Father, we pray that you would grant, grant him wisdom, that he would make the wise decisions, Lord. Father, I pray that, you know, there's, there, there's, there's things that, that probably bug all of us about him. And Lord, we just pray that you would speak to his heart. Father, I don't know if he knows you or actually has a relationship with you, but Father, if he doesn't, I pray that you would draw him near to you and that he would make that step. And if he does, Lord, then just draw him closer. Father, we pray for him. It's a very difficult job. And every president that I've known in my lifetime has struggled and aged tremendously in that job. There's a lot of stress and it's a lot of pressure. And so I pray for him. Lord, I pray for all of our leaders in Congress and and in the Senate. Father, we've never been a more divided country. And Father, this isn't any kind of political statement. It's just saying our politics all across the board have been divisive. Lord, we pray for our nation that we could find ways to come together and work together for the good of our country. 
And Lord, we just thank you as we stand before you and do that in Jesus' name. Amen? Amen. Amen. Next week, guys, Rediscovering the Lost Art of Friendship Part 2. I'm going to be talking about One Friend Away. Then in two weeks, I'm going to be starting a brand new series called Tempted. I'm going to be talking about temptation. And it's interesting because uh, I've taught on temptation before, but usually as a part of a series and in just one message. I've never done a four-week series on temptation. I'm going to really dig in a little bit deeper. You're going to find that it's going to help you with some things. It's going to change some things in your life. And I encourage you, come and be a part of that. And don't miss a single one because it's going to be really, really important. Then I want to tell you about something that's coming up, just a fun thing for all of us as a church. You know, uh, not too long back, our, our men's fight club, which is our men's ministry, we went and caught a, uh, a uh, ice flyers game. And uh, while we were after the game, we heard from several of the women. So it's no fair that you guys all got to go and we didn't get to go. And of course, our response back was, well, na 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 Because I mean, you guys go to Carabas and stuff and we don't get to go. All right. But we decided that we wanted to do something together for the entire family. And so uh, Mark Kabazinski has been putting this together. But on Tuesday, June 25th, we're going to be having a family fun night at the Wahoos game. Uh, the cost is $10 if we can get a group of 25 uh, at le- minimum. Uh, they'll take a group picture of us all together out, I think, on the field. Uh, we get the name uh, up on the scoreboard and all of that. Adults, children, you know, grandma, grandpa, everybody's welcome. And come and join us for that. Amen? Sign up in the foyer so we know how many tickets to get. And, you know, we just want you to go uh, so you can sign up for that in the foyer. All right, I want to just pray a prayer of blessing. If you would, just raise your hands with me. Father, thank you for every person that's here. I pray that you bless them this week and all that they do, that you would pour your spirit out upon them, that you would give them wisdom, Father, in all that they do, that they would walk in wisdom according to your word. Father, give them favor in the eyes of people that they come in contact with. Let your anointing be on their life. And Father, Father, I just pray that, that you would uh, uh, anoint them and Father, give them divine opportunities that they could tell other people the story of what you've done in their life. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Amen.